I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. I'm Halima Atta, and I just repeated everything that I said in that two-second opener. Um, I think, contrary to popular belief, this is definitely the hardest part of having a podcast, being a host, everything. Coming up with introductions and openers for each episode that are different than the one that you used for the episode before, I can never come up with anything. Like, as soon as I hear the theme song end, I just, my mind goes blank, and I cannot think of any way to open the episode without sounding very, like, awkward. So, props to me for coming up with this one. I think I need to start congratulating myself after each episode, because this is very difficult. In recent events, though, I witnessed something very significant happen the other week, and that was the release of my 2021 Spotify Wrapped. If you know literally anything about me, whether you're a listener of the show or one of my siblings or a friend, you would know that I absolutely love music. And I'm not even just saying this because I think everyone likes music, honestly, but to me it's therapeutic. And according to my Spotify wrapped data from 2021, I listened to approximately 59,012 minutes of music this year, with this year being from January 2021 to October 31st, 2021, because that is the time frame when Spotify actually uses their users' data for Spotify rap, like to generate the presentation. I just realized I haven't even explained what that is. So to those of you that don't know, Spotify Wrapped is essentially an extension of the Spotify streaming service music platform where people that use the app can actually look at all of their stats from the previous year. They can look at their top artists, what songs they listen to the most, how many songs that they listen to in total, their top genres, stuff like that. It even generates like your, your aura. So the vibe of the music that you listen to. I think mine was chill and and hopeful. It was something like that, but it's a really cool like little presentation that Spotify generates every single year for its users. Anyway, that dropped on I think December 1st. I don't remember, but it dropped recently like about a week ago. And although this may not seem like a big deal, it was to me because I planned my Spotify wrapped results meticulously. I said I want this person to be my top artist and I want to listen to at least this amount of minutes and I accomplished both of those goals. But I know you're probably thinking right now, Halima, what does this have to do with any type of societal issue that could ever exist in this world ever? Let me explain. So as I mentioned about two seconds ago, Spotify actually uses some of your listening data to generate a list of your top artists. So the people that you've listened to the most out of every artist within the past year from January to Halloween 2021. And alongside this, they actually use the information that stems from your top artists to create a list of the top genres you listen to. So for example, if your top artist was Blake Shelton, it's pretty likely that your top genre will be country because that's the type of music that he makes. Moving on. There was quite a bit of controversy surrounding the genres that were generated for different people's Spotify wrapped. A lot of people complained about seeing the titles of indie pop, dance pop on their top five like genre list because they were like, oh, you know, this isn't a very accurate depiction of the music I listen to. But contrary to all of these people, I was actually very happy with my top five genre list. And let me read it out for you. So my bottom four categories were all just different variations of pop. Actually, no, with the exception of one. So my bottom three were all just little variations of pop. It said like bedroom, indie, but my number one genre was alternative hip hop. And I was really, really satisfied with this, this label, not even just because of the genre I I love the music within it, but just because that they, they titled it appropriately with they being, I don't know, the people who work at the corporate level of Spotify. 
Now, for me, seeing all of these people complain about their top five categories on Spotify, saying it's not a very accurate indicator of the music they listen to, that actually sent me, it just gave me flashbacks about the frustration that I had to endure all throughout the year or all throughout the little time frame that Spotify generated my data, you know, from what I listened to. And this is because when I would listen to music in the app, the top two categories that it would show me were hip hop and pop. They essentially compressed the top five categories that they gave me on that list into two with all the different pop variations just being found under pop and the R&B and alternative hip hop categories being fused under hip hop. But this bothered me for one reason. Another thing that anyone who has ever met me ever knows is that I'm a huge fan of Tyler the Creator. He was my top artist this year as well as last year, and three of his newest songs are on my top five song list for this year. But I digress. It was really annoying to me to see that his music was constantly put under the category of hip-hop or rap whenever I checked my Spotify streaming data from throughout the year before my Spotify wrapped um, genre list was released. And many people might not know this because I don't know, like to those who don't listen to Tyler, even though he has a lot of fans, I hope that every one of you does listen to him. But if you don't listen to him, his sound is kind of, it's definitely very difficult to express in one word. I would say it's experimental. And he, and while he does have music that, you know, falls within the rap category, he also has music that falls within the alternative category, like the general alternative title. He has music that can be labeled as jazz, music that can be a little more classical, rock. He has a lot of different styles all fused together under his one brand, under his one name. And so even though he's experimented with so many different sounds, I'm not going to get into his discography. I found that he's always limited to one, which is rap or quote unquote urban. And seeing that label hip-hop or rap on my Spotify streaming data before the Spotify wrapped collection came out, it was always really frustrating to me because all of the music I listened to from him is just so, it's just very, I don't know how to, I don't know what word to give it, but none of it falls under one category. And that's why it always bothered me seeing that he was, you know, nominated for rap awards when his music really falls under so many different genres. So recently, I took it upon myself to kind of research this a little bit, and I found that this doesn't just happen to Tyler, the creator. It happens to almost every single Black artist that makes music that isn't rap. And so I decided to find a name for this, and once I came up with something and looked it up online to verify that it actually existed, I found a name, which is Genre Confinement. It's a very real issue that plagues artists of color within the music industry, specifically black artists. So if you want to learn anything more about this, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, this episode is for you. So continue listening. So before I get into genre confinement, how it's racially motivated and how it can possibly limit music artists in the industry, let's actually get into some popular genres. So I think a question that could really like be a good segue into this like part of the episode is what genres are widely consumed by listeners around the globe? I usually think of three things. I think of pop, I think of rap, and I think of country. And I know there's a bunch of different ones, but I, I found that just through my own listening, this is just a personal thing, that those are the main three categories we usually hear about. I think it could be five. Pop, rap, country, classical, and rock maybe i feel like those are the five most popular most widely consumed ones so before we even get into genre confinement again it's important to go through these genres because it lets us know what people are usually listening to and what categories people might find themselves kind of enclosed in so when i think about i'm going to mention him a lot throughout this episode to just get prepared when i think about tyler i can think of, of a song of his that kind of fits under each of these categories so knowing that when we think about award shows or any situation or environment where somebody would be nominated to win an award under a specific category, 
it can obviously be a little bit difficult to put these artists within one one box and oftentimes it becomes very confining which introduces me to the concept of genre confinement I'm not gonna lie, at first I wasn't sure if this was a real term, so I looked it up online and I did find a couple articles kind of verifying that it does exist, so that was very relieving. But I wanted to get in what to get into what genre confinement actually means. So first of all, let's look up what the word confinement means. It's obviously the state of being confined. So let's read the definition for the word confined that's kind of generated by Oxford languages. Thank you, Google. To confine is to keep or restrict someone or something within certain limits. So when looking at the term genre confinement, the word confinement essentially works in tandem with the word genre to describe what happens to artists when they're limited, when their music is limited, and when they're placed within the confines of one genre. Whether it's pop, country, rap, there's a ton to list, but genre confinement really does just explain how certain artists are limited to a certain genre. Maybe in the context of award shows or when just talking about their achievements or their music in general. I think that's a perfect term that kind of encapsulates all of it. But this term doesn't solely exist to describe the frustration that I had to endure when looking at my Spotify statistics throughout the year, before my Spotify wrapped released. It's actually a term that describes what happens to a lot of Black artists within the music industry, and it can clearly be observed within award shows like the Grammys, so let's talk about that. So back in 2019, Tyler the Creator received a Grammy nomination for his studio album Igor, and I think it's important to not to note that at the time, this album received a lot of positive feedback from critics and just listeners of Tyler Everywhere for being so experimental. It really couldn't be put under one category name, one genre, because it had so many different sounds. There were elements of hip-hop, there were elements of jazz, there were elements of rap, there were some elements of soul, like there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff that went behind the scenes in the album, and I think that's why so many people liked it. It because it was different it was experiment it was experimental and it was kind of unconventional anyways fast forward to 2020 Tyler wins a Grammy for album of the year except it wasn't for album of the year specifically it was for best rap album of the year and a lot of people complained with one of the most notable people being Tyler himself because they felt that he was being limited to one category that a lot of black artists are typically reduced to not that there's anything wrong with rap inherently but Tyler's album, as I just mentioned, fell under so many different categories. It fell under so many different styles of music that it was really kind of offensive, honestly, to him to see that it was limited to just rap. And I actually want to read an excerpt from something that he said back in 2020 when he won this award. It sucks that whenever we, and I mean guys that look like me, do anything that's genre bending or that's anything, they always put it in a rap or urban category. I don't like that urban word. It's just a politically correct way to say the N-word to me. When I hear that, I'm just like, why can't we be in pop? Half of me feels like the rap nomination was just a backhanded compliment. Like, my little cousin wants to play the game. Let's give him the unplugged controller so he can shut up and feel good about it. That's what it felt like a bit. I think that statement alone that Tyler made perfectly encapsulates the justified frustration that a lot of Black artists within the music industry feel when they receive these awards within the quote-unquote urban or rap categories, even if their music doesn't necessarily fit under those genres. And this is why I like to call this kind of phenomenon racially motivated genre confinement, because they only really do it to black artists, to any person of color. Whenever they do anything, whenever they release music, like Tyler said, that's genre bending, that's more unconventional or experimental, they're automatically thrown into the urban or rap category. It's kind of seen as a default for them. If you're a black artist within the industry, as long as you make music, you're going to be thrown under the rap category, unless a lot of people view you as 
otherwise, as other than that as different. And I think that this whole phenomenon becomes a lot more evident when you see that artists like Taylor Swift, who's obviously a white woman, they have been known to kind of dominate two different styles of music, two different genres, and they're able to be nominated for awards that characterize them as such, as people that bend genres, as people that do more than one thing, as kind of multifaceted artists getting nominated for album of the year, song of the year, not just pop or not just this. Because I remember when I was a a little younger, I say that like I'm not like 17, but when I was younger, I remember like Taylor Swift marketed herself as a country artist. And this wasn't even that long ago. Like I'm not even that old. So this was relatively recent. She marketed herself as a country artist and then she shifted over to country and pop. And then she kind of started focusing just on pop. She's been nominated for awards in both of those things. And so now when you look at Tyler, he's made music, um, his albums, he's made music that kind of, I said music, that is not a word, but he's made music and albums that kind of transcend both the the pop genre or the rap genre or hip hop or R&B or jazz or classical. He's kind of made music that goes through all of those genres and categories, but he's never been nominated for anything besides a rap or urban music. And this kind of represents a fr- um, the comments that he made that represents the frustration that a lot of black artists within the industry feel. Because when you when you think about it, the Grammys and these bigger, the American Music Awards, like these big corporations and organizations, they're really just limiting the success of black artists when they reduce them to one category, to one thing. So now that I've kind of established what racially motivated genre confinement is and how it often limits black artists, especially when we're looking at music award shows and stuff, stuff like that, it's really important to mention where this even stemmed from. And that is, I mean, obviously this goes way back, but to put it into simple terms, all of this stems from the societal alienation of black artists who don't make rap music. So I think it's important to discuss how black artists who choose to experiment when discussing the genres they make music in, how they're viewed by society, how they're viewed by just consumers of music in general. Um, as I said, I'm going to mention him a lot, but Tyler, the creator, like a lot of people like to reduce him to, you know, just being a rapper. But if you are a dedicated fan that has listened to almost every song in his discography, you can definitely attest to his music being experimental. There's just so many different genres that he's experimented on with and that he's released music within. And so when you look at that, people will often look at Tyler and be like, oh, you know, that's a rapper. It's a black man. It's just a black guy who's a rapper. He makes urban music. And but then you can also look at artists like Taylor Swift and people are like, oh, you know, she's multifaceted. She used to make country, now she makes pop. I think she like kind of represents the best of both worlds, the best of both genres. And it's obviously, I think, it's very obvious to say that these people are treated differently because of their race, obviously. Artists like Taylor, white artists, are able to succeed in a bunch of different genres and win awards, be nominated in categories that represent the multifaceted nature of their art, whereas people that are black are able to make music, or they're able to experiment with different genres and styles. They're able to genre bend, but they don't get recognized for that. And again, I think all of this stems from the fact that societally, genres like pop, rock, even jazz, are kind of seen as, oh, this is for white people, like alternative, like that's a white people thing. That's like for white artists. Even though black people were pioneers of these things and then they had their music stolen from them, and I'm talking back in, you know, 20th century, maybe even before, but I wanted to reference an article that I found in the Los Angeles Review of Books. It's entitled How Rock and Roll Became White. And throughout this article, it kind of discusses many different theories as to how black artists who pioneered, who were pioneers in, you know, the category of rock and roll, the genre of rock and roll, should I say, were able to gain the rights of this music, and, you know, just kind of like create this entire genre and then get it stolen from them by white artists like Elvis Presley, like the Beatles. 
This article really just discusses the nature of the novel Just Around Midnight, Rock and Roll and the Racial Imagination, written by Jack Hamilton, where he explores, again, different theories as to how white artists were able to successfully steal and gain the, the rights to rock and roll music. So I'm just going to read a quick excerpt from this article. Finally, there is the third and by far most common way that the whitening of rock and roll music has been discussed, in which the African-American influence on white rock is either simply effaced or is turned into one of the many sociological conditions for the development of the genre. Hamilton, quoting the critic Fred Moten, finds this an instance of white avant-gardism whose seriousness requires either an active forgetting of black performances or a relegation of them to mere source material, in which artists like Richard and Barry with Barry being Chuck Berry, figure as primitive progenitors, valuable only for enabling what came later. The familiar lineage of Elvis, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, and all the other white stars that fill the classic rock pantheon. So what this is saying is that artists like Chuck Berry, who is a very prominent African-American figure within the rock and roll industry, he's kind of known as the father of rock and roll, of the blues, all those genres. A lot of those African-American artists paved the way for white artists to kind of adopt this type of music, this style of music. And then they just kind of took their music and didn't give them credit. And now they're known as merely, you know, the originators of these things. Um, I forgot what word it, I just read it. The word was progenitors. Um, in this article, Hamilton, or not Hamilton, but the writer of the article mentioned that artists like Chuck Berry are now seen as merely originators of the rock and roll style when they really created it all and should be seen as more than just a creator. They should be seen as pioneers of the genre, the people who made them so popular, allowed them to gain so much traction. But instead, we give all this credit to people like Elvis Presley, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin. And again, when, when we're looking at the more recent art, um, rock and roll artists who happen to be white, this isn't really just blaming them for the reason why black artists don't get their credit, but rather showing that they're complicit in a system where the white artists get the credit that the black artists who pioneered these genres in the past deserve. But I'm not just talking about this to talk about it, just to mention why I hate Led Zeppelin. I'm talking about this to connect it to why it's very weird that black artists today who decided to experiment with these styles like rock and roll, alternative, blues, jazz, etc., are now alienated within society because those genres are seen as, you know, white people things, when really, black people were the ones who created them within the United States. They're the ones who were pioneers within those genres, and now they're getting their credit stolen from them again. So when people try to enter, black artists try to enter their way back into these genres, people like Tyler who make jazzy songs, who make songs that are more alternative and experimental and unconventional, now they're seen, they're viewed negatively within society, and that's why they often experience a lot of genre confinement. And a lot of times I found that black artists will honestly succumb to this and submit to the genre confinement by staying within one category because they feel that they're going to be viewed in a certain way if they try to do anything else. Up-and-coming black artist Tyree Cody actually said that he felt the pressure to choose creativity and experimentation over success through what's typically expected of black artists. Um, and to continue quoting from the state press, he said that even within smaller music communities, black artists are put into boxes and not allowed to experiment. It holds us back. So again, just for choosing to remain a creative and to employ more experimentation in his music, this artist is seen as, you know, well, crazy, like he's really a champion of doing new things. Just for deciding to experiment with the genres that black artists created in the past. And this is because it, it's just so known that, oh, white artists are the creators of rock and roll and of alternative music and of this. When in reality, it stems from the contributions of black artists from the early as early as like the 20th century before that even to continue referencing this article i wanted to read a little excerpt from the words of rashad shabazz an associate professor of african and african-american studies 
Western modern music today is undergirded with black musical features. Chord progression, harmonies, the way modern music is created, it's all based on forms of music that were created by blues and early black music. To get out of the box, you have to create and augment your own sound. Black artists will create pop, alternative, rock, but those areas are seen as the domain of white artists. White artists have latitude with what they can do musically. Black artists are confined to the predetermined boundaries. So now to get into a question that was submitted by listeners and that is also going to serve as the question of the episode. So kind of a medium between the question of the episode and the ask the host segment. So it's very convenient for me. But anyway, is the music industry limiting black artists? And my answer is yes. I think what was crazy to me back in 2020, when that video of Tyler complaining about the category he was nominated in for Igor was released, something that really just struck me as odd was that a lot of fans of his were like, you know, he's being dramatic. It's really not that big of a deal. But what was unsurprising to me that wasn't shocking at all was that the majority of people who made claims like this were white. Because the reality is, black artists know that there is this pressure to make rap music, to make quote unquote urban music, to kind of satisfy the the white people who are at the corporate level of the Grammy Awards and of the American Music Awards, the people who put these black artists into these categories who nominate them in only like urban or rap or hip hop. And just to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with being a black artist and making rap music. There's nothing wrong with being a black person and enjoying, you know, consuming rap music, hip hop, quote unquote, urban music. But there is a problem when artists very clearly make music outside the confines of those genres but yet are still forced to remain within them to be nominated for things like, oh, you know, best quote-unquote urban album of the year, best rap album of the year, best hip-hop album of the year. And so when looking back at the at what Tyler said in that video that I mentioned, I referenced it a couple times in the episode, it, his, his frustration is, is justified because a lot of time Black artists are just expected to, you know, be fine with this and tolerate getting nominated in categories that they really don't fit in. But he decided to take it, you know, to have the confidence and the boldness to kind of protest against that. And even if it was at a mini, really small, intimate press conference, it did make the impact that I think it should have. And as I said before, I think these kinds of concerns and frustrations are very, very, very obviously justified because when you realize that a lot of these bigger award shows like the Grammys and the American Music Awards are, you know, reducing black artists to one category, even if they don't quite fit within it, they're really just limiting their creativity. And by limiting experimentation in black artists, award shows are limiting black recognition and ultimately black success within the music industry. So yes, I believe that the music industry is limiting black artists, but it's through methods that people aren't really aware of. It's through something called racially motivated genre confinement, which a lot of people don't know about. But hopefully if you listen to this episode, now you do. And I think that by by kind of confining black artists to these to one genre, like to quote unquote urban or hip hop or rap, they're failing a lot of these organizations are failing to realize that black artists were pioneers of almost all musical genres, like jazz, like the blues, like soul, like rock and roll, like alternative. But they had their creations claimed by white people like Elvis and the Beatles and Led Zeppelin. So now they're being frowned upon for expanding into genres that they created. And when you realize this, it really is evident that a lot of award shows, a lot of the bigger music industry corporations and record labels, they're really just limiting experimentation in Black artists, which ultimately limits them from gaining recognition and from gaining success within the music industry. 
With that being said, thank you so, so much for listening to this episode, and I really hope that you learned something completely new about racially motivated genre confinement, because a lot of people didn't even know what it was or that it existed until recently, with me being one of those people. So again, I hope you learned something new, I hope you're able to take away something from this episode, and I hope that you'll continue to share with your peers and with your friends and your family members about genre confinement and how it affects Black artists within the music industry adversely. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, be sure to leave a positive rating in Apple Podcasts and be sure to keep up with the show at A Little Persp Podcast on Instagram and at A Little Perspective on TikTok. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week here on The Little Perspective. <laughs>